Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. My guest today is the absolute public relations guru who's worked with many big name clients from American Express and Johnson & Johnson to the New York State Lottery and McKinsey. He has so many accolades and lifetime achievement awards, has held many roles in the PR world and written extensively, including two books. He served for many years as the CEO of the prestigious independent PR firm Loebson Stevens, which was acquired in 1999 by Publicis. He stayed on to manage what became the New York office of Publicis Dialogue. In 2003, he formed his own firm, and it's my great pleasure to welcome managing partner of the Stevens Group, Art Stevens. Art, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Gosh, Molly, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I am, I, I am, I'm looking forward to this. I know listeners are into a big treat. I think you have seen and done it all in the realm of public relations. Uh, so we look forward to hearing your perspectives on your profession uh, thanks to our mutual friend, by the way, a shout out to Jerry Edling for our paths crossing. And uh, Jerry only shared that yours has been really a fascinating journey. So really, Art, I um, am grateful if you'd help listeners get to know you, uh, the ups, downs, twists, and turns of your life journey. I'd be very happy to. And thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, the pleasure is ours. I know you're a local boy, so take us back to the early days of uh, of the Big Apple. Well, I was uh, I was born and raised in the Bronx, um, and I went to uh, public schools in the Bronx, and uh, and then for some reason I thought I would like to be a, a sports announcer, and so I tried out for a, a very special school called the High School of Performing Arts, which you may remember from the movie Fame, uh, that little brick building in the West Forties. I tried out for it, uh, and I made it. And I went to the high school of performing arts and that training has helped me ever since the, the ability, you know, to uh, express myself publicly, the ability to conquer stage fright, which we all have, and the ability to express oneself in the best possible way. So I'm grateful to the high school of performing arts for doing that for me. Wow. So would uh, say a bit about siblings and what your parents did and, and what it was like in the Bronx. Well, I come from an immigrant family. My uh, parents were born in Poland, um, and uh, uh, thank God they got out uh, just in time, uh, you know, before uh, before the Second World War. Otherwise, I would not be talking to you today. Uh, I had two brothers. Uh, I still have a a twin brother uh, who lives in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. He and I are very close. We're fraternal twins. We don't look anything at all alike, uh, and you would never mistake us even for brothers. But uh, nonetheless, we are twins uh, and we see each other fairly often. Uh, We had an older brother who passed away about, uh, oh, eight or nine years ago. Uh, He was a initially a professional jazz musician and he played in big bands. uh, But then he decided, you know, uh, that he was doing so much traveling and that uh, life as a jazz musician was so precarious (laughs) that he decided to pack that in and he became a uh, uh, a. uh, 
an accountant, and he became a controller of a number of fairly large companies. Uh, but music has always been in our blood. You know, it, it started with me at the High School of Performing Arts. Um, I am an occasional singer, and I have been singing, you know, pop songs uh, publicly, uh, and I, I just love it. So this is so fascinating because I'm an introvert and was just so painfully shy. So as a kid, were you just very outgoing and it was it very easy for you to to be with other people? Well, it was easy to be with my friends, you know, but other than that, I was ex an extremely shy kid. I really was. You know, I I would sit in class and, and would just be frightened to death that the teacher would call on me, you know, and and that my my voice would be heard, you know, over the the din of silence, you know, that uh, covered the classroom. Uh, I was painfully shy. And that stayed with me all the way into into college, where at one point I literally forced myself, you know, to raise my hand and speak in class. And from that point on, you know, I began to uh, become less inhibited, less frightened. Uh, but there is still that churning in my stomach. You know, even when I get up to perform and sing, uh, it's still with me. Uh, and uh, it's like an old friend that just doesn't let go. I love how you put that old friend, because I think that's being in good relationship with yourself art, which is so fundamental to the Say It Skillfully um, concept. And when you can think about something that Maybe people are like, oh, why am I nervous? Oh, why am I? But think of it and embrace it and move on with it. That's actually so wise. I'm very impressed that you at a young age were able to figure that out. Yeah. Um, the I, I am curious in that it seems like such a unique mix of people in a school like that. So uh, did you feel like it fit right in with a lot of other kids or did you feel like you stood out still? No, I didn't feel that I fit right in. Um you know, I was not an. Uh, uh, I, I didn't come from a theatrical, you know, family or background. A lot of the kids in that school came from, you know, showbiz parents, and it was natural for them, you know, to want to uh, go to the high school of performing arts to to expand their knowledge, you know, of their craft. Uh, so they were very different from me. There were a couple of kids, you know, who were maybe similar to me uh, in in terms of their background and not not being around, you know, theater people as a kid uh, that I palled around with. But for the most part, the kids in the school, you know, were very different. They came, they came from a very different background and it was tough getting used to. Did you have, I mean, we had, every kid has some self-doubt. Did you have a lot of self-doubt? You know, how did you how did you fuel your sales, you know, to stick with it and know you could do it? By sheer, sheer gut, you know, uh, I, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence, you know, I don't know what it is that, uh, you know, that came about in my upbringing. Uh, but, you know, I was very, very shy. Maybe my parents were so demanding that I felt I couldn't, you know, do enough. And therefore I was not good enough, uh, but uh, I, I was so shy, you know, and, uh, and 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 so so in desperation, you know, for some, you know, some divine miracle that would get me out of that, that I could, you know, participate more openly and, and you know, and uh, you know, and and and, and more actively. But uh, uh, I was nervous all the time when I had to present myself in public, or or a teacher called on me. Um, and it took a long time for me to get out of that. Well, I appreciate you being open with that. Now you mentioned these demanding parents, and so tell tell us a little bit about the, you know their expectations for you boys and and 
you know, living up to their expectations? Well, I bring a report card home from, you know, from elementary school, let's say, and, uh, you know, it, it had like four A's and two B's. Uh, they didn't focus on the A's, they focused on the B's, you know, and I was, you know, almost berated, you know, for not getting A's, you know, which obviously changed the playing field for me because it meant that I just wasn't good enough, you know, to to please them. Um, and I think that was one of the reasons, you know, why uh, I felt that I just, you know, wasn't good enough, you know, to, to please anybody and, and therefore, you know, held myself back, you know, from participating in life, except for my friends on my block where I grew up, you know, they were, you know, they were buddies and that was a whole different, uh, you know, uh, situation. But in terms of school, you know, or any place, you know, that that uh, uh, I was called upon to say something publicly. Oh, that was that was that was that was horrible. You know, it was just like agony for me. Wow. How about the brothers? Were you close growing up? And, you know, when you have a twin, I always think that's a so magical thing because they just seem to be so in sync. But I don't know if that's the case with fraternal. We competed a lot, you know, for our parents' attention, and, and that was another factor, I guess. And, and it took years, you know, after we became adults, you know, for us to become like really good friends, which we are now, you know, after so many years. But as kids, we really competed for their attention, you know, and we do spiteful things to each other to get to to try to get us to the attention of our parents and become the, you know, the favorite one. Um, so there was a lot of competition, and uh, that 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 was not a healthy situation for us either. Yeah. Do you remember when you felt that, I mean, your parents were proud of you? I mean, I can imagine this kind of ongoing, I'm never enough for them. But at some point, Art, you know, with all you've done, you must have realized that they're very proud of you. They, yes, uh, that did happen. And uh, that I think that helped change me also. I, I guess when I became an, a, you know, a young adult, and I got my first several jobs, and uh, uh, I got a tremendous promotion, you know, at uh, my my very first uh, job, which which uh, uh, turned into my becoming a public relations director of uh, of uh, Prentice Hall, a major publishing company, uh, at the age of uh, 25, uh, when I really didn't know much about public relations. But you know, uh, I did some things that uh, that really uh, uh, got to the attention of the president of the company. Uh, even though I was layers away from, you know, personally reporting to him. But, uh, you know, he he sort of uh, took a look at this young man, you know, came up with some very interesting ideas. Uh, and uh, and one year later, you know, he uh, he transferred the guy who had been public relations director into another part of the company. And he appointed me as public relations director when I really was in it all of one year. Uh, but. The point is, though, that, you know, when I told my parents about that, uh, they were very proud of me, you know, and that was a major, major step forward. You know, they didn't know what public relations was. Uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it's hard to explain to people, you know, but nonetheless, they knew that I had gotten a major promotion, you know, within this company and that my career was, you know, was on the move. And they were they were very proud of me at that point. And, and that, that helped change my focus, too, on who I am and what I contribute, you know, to society. Oh, it warms my heart. So take us through, you know, a young person, you're in the school and performing arts and people are going into these careers. So how did you, I'm, I'm you know, curious who influenced you and how you did take that step out of high school and to what was next? Well, it was a little bit of agony, you know, to be in performing arts, you know, for the, I think the three years that I was in high school, because I, I was still so shy, you know, and yet 
being in a <clears throat> in a school like <clears throat> excuse me being in a school like uh, the high school of performing arts um uh, you know i obviously had to i was called upon you know to recite passages and, and to read uh, excerpts from plays and 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 having to you know force myself to you know to be more public you know in terms of the role i was playing there uh but it was it was kind of agony you know and uh it was a tough three years you know i mean i learned a lot i i really did learn a lot about acting and and uh and how to how to express oneself uh during the course of that and it, it really did come in handy you know in in my subsequent life my career but it was agony you know it was agony worthwhile subsequently but agony at the time yeah i uh not that you captured this only in a few words but what do you recall like what were the things you learned about expressing yourself because i think we would all we can always we can all be better about expressing ourselves well what i learned was that and this is what i liked about acting you know that you can leave yourself and become another person that was a very very important part of my training and my my uh, my subsequent uh understanding of what i needed to do to get ahead in the world and so I began to feel that I was really like another person and the real me, which nobody would like and nobody would respect, you know, and nobody would listen to, you know, would be kind of shunned to the background. Uh, and this other person would, you know, would would take his place. That's kind of what I did, you know, with myself and my, and my career initially until one day it became clear to me. And this was, you know, this was the extraordinary insight that I got. One day it occurred to me that this new person that I thought was that I had created, you know, that came up with good ideas and was able to, you know, to force himself to speak, uh, you know, publicly, that that was the real me. That wasn't a fake person. That was me, you know, uh, that came up with good ideas and uh, uh, was able to re you know, solve problems and uh, and get things done and so on. Uh, and when, when that insight occurred to me that that was me and that was not a fake, that changed my life. Wow. That is so profound. So how did practically, I am curious, what did you, uh, you know, how did you get these first jobs and um, college, all that kind of good stuff? How did I get my first job? Yeah. And then, and, and if you went the college route or how, you know, cause I think I, you know, I have to tell you, I'm pretty impressed that you could survive three years of agony. That's, yep. that's a long time to kind of, not feel like you could be like, that you were you well you know um i went to city college of new york um which is a wonderful school and i to this day i'm very connected with city college and i i i started an annual scholarship you know for a worthy uh, uh student at city college who majors in public relations and i've been doing this for like for the past 15 years and i'm very proud of it you know uh, because most of these kids have gone on to great success in the world of public relations at either corporations or nonprofit organizations or, or public relations agencies. But what started happening to me, to answer your question, you know, is that in college, <clears throat> I would literally begin to force myself to raise my hand. You know, I mean, it was like going through, uh, a, you know, a, a, a torture that, <laughs> that I was willing to go through in order to try to find some kind of breakthrough. So I'd raise my hand gingerly, you know, and comment, uh, you know, uh, 
effect uh, on what a professor of, say, 19th century you know, English literature was saying. Uh, and I kept doing this more and more. I literally forced myself to speak in class, something I had never done earlier. And once I started doing that uh, and realized that nobody was laughing at me, you know, no, nobody was walking out on me, the professor wasn't tittering, you know, wondering who this idiot is that was saying these stupid things. Once, once I realized, you know, that the things I was saying and asking, you know, were totally legitimate and, uh, you know, and uh, not off the wall in any way, uh, that I was just, I was a regular guy, you know, uh, it began to, to get easier. Um, and that helped me a lot. I mean, I literally forced myself to raise my hand and speak in class. Oh, I am I am really impressed by that because I think a lot of folks could just imagine sitting there in a cocoon. Well, um, I had two choices. You know, one, I could have, uh, you know, remained shy and withdrawn, you know, for the rest of my life. I don't know how far that would have gotten me in terms of my career. I don't think it would have, you know, or really try to do something about it myself. Nobody else was helping me to do that. Uh, I never talked to anybody about that. I never went to school psychologists or anything like that. Uh, I kept it all to myself. Um, even my friends, you know, on my block where I grew up, they didn't really know just how shy I was because with them, I was more open, but in, in school and settings like that, I was, I was so shy and afraid that I'd be laughed at, um, you know, that I didn't reach out to anybody. So, uh, so in college, I, I really decided to try to, Help, try to help myself, try to force myself to do something that was not comfortable, but but uh, but I knew it had to be done if I was going to be anybody, you know, particularly in my own mind. Well, most importantly, in your own mind, that yeah. ability to, you know, not be your worst enemy. So this is so great that you're in public relations, like the most public of things with the most unpublic, you know, if you will, upbringing. I know, I know. That's crazy. So how did, you know, it's also not, you know, if you're going to City College, I don't know, is that like the obvious major? Because I, I would tell you that when I, you know, was younger, I would have no clue what public relations is. So how did that even come into your universe? Oh, I got into purely by accident, like a lot of things in life. You know, uh, I never, you know, I didn't even know what public relations was. And I, I was an English major, you know, uh, and I, I'm not I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Obviously, I went to the High School of Performing Arts. Uh, thinking that I might be a sports announcer. Well, that, you know, that didn't, that didn't add up for me. <laughs> I I was, I was much too shy to even think about that. Uh, so I thought maybe I'd be a teacher. Uh, and I actually started my career doing some substitute teaching, which uh, I did not like. I did not like at all. Uh, I thought I'd rather deal with, with adults, you know, than with, with kids. And so I applied for a job at Prentice Hall, which was at that time, you know, an American stock exchange company, a major publishing dynamo. Uh, and I got a job as an assistant textbook editor, you know, again, having majored in English. I did that for, uh, I don't know, a couple of years. And, uh, you know, all I was doing is taking a manuscript. It would, but also, you know, I learned a lot from doing that as well. I would take a raw manuscript and turn it into a textbook. I, I worked in the... Uh, uh, elementary high school textbook division um and i would do the proofreading the copy editing i would work with the art department you know in, in terms of the layout work with the printer um uh, and it was good experience it was good experience but it's i knew that's not something i wanted to devote my life to so 
I was thinking of leaving Prentice Hall, and a friend of mine um, was in the uh, personnel department of Prentice Hall. And I told him, you know, I was getting really bored doing, you know, proofreading and copy editing, you know, day in, day out. And he said, you know, there's an opening in the corporate public relations department here. And I said, what's public relations? (laughs) Uh, Naturally. Uh, And uh, he said, well, it's it's writing, you know, it's dealing with the, you know, with the media, newspapers, television. And I said, uh, that sounds great, you know. So I was interviewed for uh, for that job by the head of the uh, uh, corporate public relations department who reported directly to the president of the company. um, And I got the job, you know. And uh, what happened is uh, I came up with an idea, you know, within the first year of my now being in public relations. And by the way, and reading every textbook I could get hold of to know what it was and how it worked, uh, taking classes and so on, I decided, you know, to give this this uh, profession a try. But within the first year, I, I come up with some interesting ideas that got to the attention of the uh, president of the company to whom my boss reported. And this is where my life changed, because one day the president of the company called in my boss and said, bring me up to date on this idea that, you know, that you're recommending. Uh, and, my, and my boss, you know, uh, didn't know anything about it because I was I was handling it. Uh, my boss wasn't interested in it, and, you know, and uh, uh, and my boss had to say to the president, let's call Arden. You know, he knows he's been uh, working on it. Let, let's get him in. So I went into the office for the first time, meeting the president of the company in person, and I uh, described a little nervously, but you know, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, efficiently. Uh, I described what the idea was, and I saw the president looking at me. You know, like uh, who is like who is this young man? <laughs> like uh, the show How to Succeed in Business Without Trying. Uh, and the president was, uh, you know, like uh, he was appraising me. He was looking me up and down and he said he loved the idea. And, you know, I was called upon to carry it out and I did carry it out. And it was a very successful special event, you know, for the company. Um, and about uh, a month after that event took place, I got a call from the uh, uh, the executive assistant to the president that uh, Mr. Powers wanted to see me. So I didn't know what that was about. I went into his office and he said, without, you know, without any further ado, he said, Art, uh, I am making you public relations director of the company. Uh, I think you are better suited to it than Bob. I transferred Bob back, you know, into the sales uh, department where he once was and he was very successful. And I would like you to take the reins. I was like 25 and a half years old. And uh, and obviously um i was grateful and pleased of course that's as i said earlier that's when i went home and told my parents they were they were elated you know that i had gotten this this kind of a promotion without knowing what it is public relations was and i'm sure i didn't know what public relations was either but uh i got this promotion 25 and a half years old having been in it one year um knowing that i would have to scramble you know to catch up to the degree of knowledge that was necessary for me to carry out that job but elated, you know, that uh, that the president of the company saw something in me that had him promote a 25 and a half year old kid to a very high position within the company. And that that changed my life. Wow. That, I can only imagine the assistant phone call and Mr. Powers wants to see you, you know, that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> 
You're just like, that was the longest walk to the office ever. That, that had never been the case. He never, ever sent for me. Usually, you know, it was the guy I worked for uh, that he would that he would send for, but never me alone. <laughs> okay, so then this meteoric rise. I What I want to also um, highlight is it sounds, Art, that you really took it by storm to do a lot of on-the-side growth, right? So just talk a little bit. You got your, your day job, but it sounds like you're reaching out trying to figure out what's going on here. How do you, you know, accelerate your learning curve? I started reaching out to people in the industry. Uh, you know, uh, if I didn't know them, I reached out anyway, you know, to, I was given names, you know, I started networking and I started really asking people, you know, like, uh, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know, uh, what else is done, you know, when you carry out a PR program for a major corporation, um, and uh, people were very, very helpful to me, I must say, very, very helpful. And that also opened my eyes as to uh, what people thought of me. You know, uh, nobody was laughing at me. Nobody was tittering. You know, who is this guy? They were really very, very helpful. And uh, some of those people to this day, you know, uh, I, I still uh, am friends with and network with. And I'm grateful for the hope for the help that they gave me. Uh, I started taking courses, you know, uh, uh, I started really trying to educate in every possible way I could. I, I really jumped into it, you know, uh, uh, full heartedly. And, um, you know, obviously I began to learn more and more. And uh, I was I, I discovered I was always a good writer to this day. That is something that I do well. You know, I've written some books, as you mentioned at the outset, and I, I still write a humor column, you know, for the Sanibel newspaper, which appears every week. Uh, as a, you know, kind of as a hobby, as an evocation. Uh, but I realized that I was a good writer, you know, and that was, that's, that was a key part of, you know, of what, uh, public relations skills, you know, embellish. Um, so I learned and learned and learned and I stayed at Prentice Hall, you know, for, I think another five years in that role. Um, and, you know, then, then moved on to the next phase of my career. Wow. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I'm just really I'm I'm blown away by the shy doesn't want to raise hand but forces to turning into this on fire, you know, gonna know everything about PR and evolve your your profession as I know you did. So um how did you make the decision to, to leave Prentice and or did someone come calling for you? Well, there are a couple of reasons. One, you know, the the, the president that I had that had appointed me director of public relations. Uh, he left the company. Uh, he went on to be on the board of the Aspen Institute and spend more time in, in Colorado. And then um, uh, I finally decided, you know, that I made the decision that I like public relations, but I didn't want to just focus on book publishing or business services publishing, which you know Prentice Hall had as well. Um, that I wanted to get into other industries, you know, that was another major decision that I made, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be pegged uh, in just one industry. So at that, at that time, uh, a very young and uh, aggressive uh, PR agency owner by the name of William Sapphire um, was looking for uh, an account executive who would work on uh, a, a new account that he had just gotten, which is the League of New York Theaters. The League of New York Theaters is an association which exists to this day of Broadway producers. Um, and I obviously I had always been interested in theater and acting as a you know as a re result of my going to the high school of performing arts. 
And when I learned that I had an opportunity to head that account and work with Broadway producers and people in theater, uh, I jumped at the chance and uh, I joined his agency. And uh, if you may recall, you know, uh, William Sapphire um, was close to Richard Nixon. Uh, I was still a young guy at the time, um, but he helped get uh, Nixon elected. And by the time uh, Nixon got elected, I was still, you know, uh, maybe around 30 years old. And um, uh, I became president of, of his firm um, and subsequently left and, and started my own. But, uh, you know, the key to this is that, you know, uh, Sapphire became assistant special assistant of the president of the United States. And then, you know, was uh, hired uh, by the New York Times, where he was a long, long time columnist, uh, twice a week columnist for the Times. And he had a very successful word column on, in the Sunday paper as well. And so he I think he won the uh, Pulitzer Prize for some of his writing. And, uh, you know, and he remained a lifelong contact of mine until he passed away. Wow, this is you can't make this up. That's unbelievable. Uh -huh. So the talk to me about the leadership journey, right? You're you're understanding the industry and the trade and what it takes to do it and the the art, no pun intended, of public relations. Um, but sh sh share with us this the journey to becoming the leader you are. Well, it did start at uh, at Prentice Hall because uh, I. Uh, I, I I had to hire people to work in my department. You know, we had a lot of responsibility um, and uh, I wound up, you know, uh, doing something I had never done, you know, interview people for jobs uh, and picked, uh, you know, four or five people, including a, an executive uh, secretary, you know, who uh, all worked for me. And and I had to learn through trial and error, you know, how to deal with people uh, as their as their as their leader, as their uh, superior. Uh, I made a you know number of mistakes. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, sometimes in trying to be too friendly, you know, at the at the time, uh, I got into the situation where they regarded me as an equal rather than their boss. And so I learned from that experience and. Um, and, and that was the first time that I, I had to like lead people. Um, and I'm glad I had that experience um, at at uh, William Sapphire's firm. I started out as an account executive, but then I became through, you know, through the skills I had, uh, you know, which I was grateful to learn that I had uh, more and more. Uh, you know, I became a vice president of his firm and I had to manage a number of people. He had a firm of like some 20 people. And I was responsible for managing about half of half of those people, you know, and making sure that the accounts they worked on were in good shape and and so on. Uh, in addition to my, you know, working on the uh, League of New York Theaters account, which was like a, a special, you know, uh, uh, gift wrapped uh, situation for me. Um, and then, of course, when I started my own agency sometime after that uh, and started hiring more and more people because we did become successful, you know, I had at one point about 50 to 60 people, you know, in the agency. And so all the things, you know, that I began to learn and 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 uh, and about lead leadership and uh, and management uh, and the mistakes that I perhaps had made earlier, I tried to avoid. Um, and I got to the point where I was totally comfortable in leading a group of 50 to 60 people. Wow. How, how do you think folks um, who knew you well and worked with you, how would they describe you as a leader, Art? 
I think they would say that I was a, a, a good leader, you know, because while they're with me, the firm continued to grow, you know, and so we were successful until I sold the agency. Um, and, uh, you know, we got some major accounts. Uh, we got a lot of blue chip accounts, a lot of, you know, uh, some some of which you read off a little while ago, companies we work with. You know, we we really were able to generate uh, business from among some blue chip companies. And that was a source of pride for all of us. So I would say I'm still in touch with some a number of people who worked for Lopes and Stevens. Definitely. Some of them did go on to, you know, to starting their own agencies and uh, having their own, you know, successful careers. Um, uh, so, you know, there, there's a large network out there of former Lopes and Stevens, uh, you know, employees that I'm still in touch with. You know, we 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 do have periodic lunches or dinners, you know, uh, when we gather 10, 12, 15 of us, you know, to talk about the old days and so on. Um, so I would say that uh, to the best of my awareness, you know, that, uh, you know, that uh, they have positive vibes toward me, given given how they, you know, how they stay in touch with me and, uh, uh, you know, and talk about me. Um, so I, I, I know that that uh, I was well thought of and that uh, I did my job. I love your your the genuine modesty there. I really it's great. When, when you started your own firm, so you're competing against these behemoth type firms and, you know, I could see that sort of being intimidating or you're so into it or, or you're, you know, you, you don't, you're not really intimidated. Just talk a little bit about competing against some, you know, the David Goliath sort of hmm. situation. Well, I felt that the time had come, you know, for, you know, I, mean, I think it was now in my blood, you know, that <laughs> I, I really should start my own agency. You know, I mean, I was ambitious. Uh, I felt I had the necessary knowledge, you know, I had been, you know, helping to run William Sapphire's agency uh, while he was out campaigning for Richard Nixon. You know, so I had more and more responsibility at the home office. Um, and I felt that the time was right, you know, for me to do this. And I did it without, without, you know, like uh, stealing any accounts or, or going after accounts, you know, that, that, you know, that the Sapphire firm had. Um, I started with, a, I, I remember, uh, an ad agency in Manhattan, you know, that, that was looking for a PR agency, uh, you know, to help promote its advertising capabilities. And that was through a, a, a friend, had nothing to do with, you know, with the Sapphire organization. And that was my first account, that ad agency. And then I got a, a, a Minneapolis television station, um, which by sheer irony was the television station that while Billy Martin, the fiery uh, manager of the New York Yankees, uh, was out of baseball for a couple of years. He worked there at that that TV station in the Minneapolis. So I got to deal with Billy Martin, you know. Uh, uh, and then little by little, you know, I started uh, uh, getting new you know new accounts in. I was active in in, in helping to generate business. Um, I began to feel that I was good at it, you know. And the old shyness and and you know uh, totally disappeared from you know from meetings and uh conferences that I would have subsequently um and I, I I truly was a different person I felt so much more comfortable you know speaking out and talking about <clears throat> the, the skills and capabilities that our agency had and I began to get more and more business and then somewhere in the mid 70s uh 
I merged my firm with that of Amelia Lopez, who was my partner uh, for a number of years until until she sadly passed away. Um, and that became Lopez Stevens. Wow. That's quite a journey. So talk about how you see, you know, I don't know. I, and maybe you could just define public relations for our audience and how you see it and uh, perhaps some of the shifts that you've seen uh, happening. Well, public relations is essentially communications. You know, uh, it is taking a company, really literally anybody, a nonprofit, uh, a school, a, a politician, uh, a, uh, a consumer product, a healthcare product, a prescription drug, anything where you want to communicate the essence, you know, of 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 what what the benefits are of uh, of, of using that product, service, nonprofit, and so on. Um, and uh, you put together, you know, a campaign, you know, that reflects the benefits of of what you're trying to communicate. Uh, and you use primarily, you know, the media to do it with, you know. Uh, newspapers, magazines, and of course, online now, you know, social media, uh, you know, to help tell a, a story, um, you know, and that's called, you know, earned media. By that, I mean, you know, where you're getting, let's say, a feature story about your product, but without having to pay advertising, you know, dollars for it. Um, and, um, you know, public relations includes creating special events as well. I once wrote a, a a, an article for the Harvard Business Review, uh, and I coined a term called brand standing, um, you know, to try to capture some of what public relations does. And brand standing really meant, you know, to create some kind of special event or uh, or uh, an, an, an interesting idea that would help uh, market that concept, you know, to the to the target publics that that were needed to, you know, to make the sale, if you will. Um, and, um, you have to be very creative. You have to be a good writer. You have to, uh, um, understand, you know, how to convey a message. Those are all the elements of, 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 uh, of public relations. This is of course near and dear to me because we're on the say it skillfully show. When you think about how to convey the message and I think art for you, it must be so innate but, but perhaps for listeners, you can kind of talk through how is it that you're, how are you thinking about what would be the way to get to whatever this audience is? Okay, I'll give you an idea. Like uh, when I became public relations director of Prentice Hall, um, what I'm about to uh, describe, you know, had really never been done before. Uh, I learned, you know, that uh, five of the top executives of the company, including the president, you know, had adopted a foster child in Africa. Uh, I just learned about it, you know, like sort of like uh, incidentally, you know, uh, and I said, this would be a marvelous way of reflecting, you know, the, uh, you know, the soul and integrity, uh, you know, and the humanity of, uh, of this corporate uh, giant. Um, and so I got more information about it. I did a few interviews with some of the executives to learn why they had done it. And then I introduced myself to the business editor of the Bergen Evening Record, uh, which is where Prentice Hall was located in Bergen County in New Jersey. Uh, and they ran a full feature story you know, on the Sunday uh, magazine edition of, uh, of the uh, Bergen Evening Record. And when that story came out, I mean, um, 
that story was passed around from person to person within Prentice Hall. Those executives were so proud, you know, that uh, their story was conveyed. They really didn't think about, you know, conveying it uh, publicly. But that became my job, you know, to convey the essence of something. And so that that experience, you know, indicated to me that if I was creative and resourceful, I could bring out the best in in either a company or a product or or, or a situation. And that became, you know, the core you know, the, the, the core competency of my career. Ugh, I love it. I love it. And this getting to essence, because this is very, this resonates for me more than you could possibly know, Art, this notion of getting to the absolute essence and unpacking and unpacking and unpacking and getting into it yeah. is so great. And it's that less is more concept, which is hard. It's really hard. You know, it's easy to kind of blather on, but to really get to the core, you know, is an art. <laughs> you're you're even named perfectly for your profession, art. <laughs> you know, a lot of people who work in public relations really don't think that way and uh, are not as good at it because they don't think that way. You know, you know, what can we learn? You know, what can we? What research can we come up with? You know, that will you know help to solidify a message that we're trying to get across. You know, to target publics, uh, and of course. By doing that, you know, you come up with what we call story ideas, you know, uh, that obviously would have a positive bearing, you know, on the reputation of of the company uh, for lack, you know, or nonprofit, whatever it might might be. But we'll say the company for the moment. Um, and, you know, you, you have to dig around. You have to be resourceful. You know, it's like, uh, um, you know, if, if you were representing like a a, a a pharmaceutical company and you happen to go to the laboratory and see where some of the research people you know were working and uh and somebody says well i've just been able to connect uh ingredient a with ingredient b uh some people would say that's wonderful and just leave it there but if you ask well what what does that mean Con connecting ingredient a with ingredient b uh and then you force the guy to say well i've just discovered the cure for cancer you see so that extra step uh you know, in in just making sure you know what's going on, uh, and, and getting to the heart of matter of the matter uh, can be the difference between a bad reputation and a good reputation that many companies have out there. Yeah, uh, so brilliant. Uh, Eric, let's segue. Talk about personal life. You're working. You're doing all the right thing. And how about your own uh, non-work side of life? Well, um, my wife of many years passed away about seven years ago um but for the past three and a half years i have i've had the good fortune of having a girlfriend um somebody that i can relate to that i met accidentally i i would never be one of those people who would got, go online you know to match.com or anything like that um <laughs> that's not me you know i i don't like the idea of you know like of meeting somebody and interviewing them, you know, and deciding whether I want to continue seeing them. I don't think that's fair. And it, and it's not something I would do. But I met this uh, gal, you know, accidentally, you know, which is a good way for these things to happen. Um, and we've been together for the past three and a half years. Uh, I also do, you know, a number of uh, extracurricular activities. Uh, one of which, of course, is the scholarship program that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, we've done 15 years now, and I present an annual scholarship to a gifted student at the City College of New York, you know, who majors in public relations, you know, and who has to go through, <clears throat> excuse me, an application process, uh, 
you know, uh, and and get uh, you know re- referral letters, reference letters from members of the faculty. And I'm very proud of those young people. And I we have an annual dinner. We stay in touch. Uh, and as I said earlier, they've gone on to some. Many of them have gone on to some great careers. Another thing that I do is I'm on the board of directors of a regional African American theater company here in New Jersey, in New Brunswick, called Crossroads Theater Company. Uh, and they once won a Tony for being the best regional theater in the, in the country. Uh, I'm the only white guy on the board, uh, and I relish it. You know, uh, I feel that here too that I've contributed ideas and uh, uh, and ways in which you know they can reach out to their audiences. And, and try to fill, you know, theater seats and what have you. Um, you know, they obviously, their their productions focus on, you know, African, African-American themes, but uh, those themes, you know, uh, apply to the public at large and they're, they're a good place to, you know, to, to do some good, worthy causes in. Uh, I write a humor column, you know, for the uh, uh, Sanibel Weekly newspaper there. I've been doing that for many years. That's the labor of love. So I kind of keep busy, you know, with work, doing mergers and acquisitions, which is what I do now uh, of PR agencies, you know, after I sold my my agency to publicists. Um, so I have a busy life. It's a good life uh, with a great gal who is on my side and uh, doing what I love, staying in the industry. Yeah, I I just love the richness and the depth and how you have really interconnected things from start to finish along the way you know you 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 have obviously this um passion um affinity for theater and coming from someone who was so shy you you mentioned that the acting gave you a chance to kind of be someone else but i'm curious you know what is it about the broadway and the theater for you that's so captivating it's the human experience you know i mean i think i went through my own human experiences and just uh you know just uh seeing how other people have handled either similar, you know, or different situations in their lives, uh, what they've done to, you know, better themselves and, uh, uh, and, and take a major step forward, you know, to enhance their life and, uh, and, uh, be at peace with themselves. Uh, that's one of the things I love about theater, you know, I mean, it's, you know, from Shakespeare on to, you know, Arthur Miller to, you know, many of the current plays and, and productions out there. Uh, I'm an avid theater fan. I go to the theater quite a lot. Um, and oh, the other thing I do, of course, is uh, uh, I, I, I mentioned in passing earlier is, uh, you know, I, I love to sing. And uh, uh, I, f- I had formed a group of uh, people, all all of whom had day jobs, uh, but but were talented, you know, in terms of singing. And I put together a little group uh uh, with a professional pianist and accompanist um, that performed at senior citizen centers around New York City. We'd perform about once a month. We did that for about 10 years. And each of us would do about, you know, three or four numbers, you know, individually. Um, and then we'd do one number at the very end, you know, that we had to rehearse, you know, all, you know, all together as an ensemble uh, group. Uh, it was very gratifying, you know, because uh, A, we were good. And B, we were truly entertaining these senior citizens, you know, uh, at, at uh, senior citizen centers, not nursing homes, but, you know, but active senior citizens who went to, like you know, a a uh, facility where they could, you know, play games and mingle with their, you know, with their uh, uh, buddies uh, uh, 
at this at this facility. But uh, you know, we did this for about ten years, and uh, I loved it. I love to sing. I love that you love to sing. I love to sing, and I only have literally a three note range. So I don't. I have a sister <laughs> who has a voice of an angel. So I think that's amazing. Like you can actually sing in the shower, and it sounds good. That's amazing. Um, okay, let's just do a segue to the say it skillfully part of the show. Art, is there a conversation now that's a challenging uh, one or a sensitive situation, or maybe something from your past? Um. Yeah. Um not every relationship that you have with an employee, you know, uh, turns out well, you know, um, you hope it does, you know, but sometimes there are situations, you know, where, uh, you need to, for the good of that person and for good of the, you know, the agency, you need to make a move, you know, and transition, transition that person out of the agency. And so discussions that I would have, you know, with uh, somebody who I would have to terminate, uh, and I'm the one, you know, the buck stopped with me, really. Um, those are not easy. Those are not easy. I mean, uh, having to tell a person, you know, that they they just didn't cut it, you know, in, in your agency was a very, very difficult thing to do, you know. And I remember when I first had to do it, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I almost decided not to terminate that person so that I could avoid having that discussion, honestly. Uh, but that wouldn't have done any good. So. I did it. I don't know how well I did it, you know, because the person was angry, you know, and uh, started yelling at me. <laughs> it was a very difficult situation. But as time went on, not that I had to do this every day, mind you, but, you know, there were times that, you know, in 20, 30 years that this would this would come up. Uh, you know, I began to, you know, to put myself in that person's position um, and think about, you know, what it is that, you uh, I would like to know about, you know, why it didn't work out and so on. And so I began to be, uh, you know, less textbook uh, like in my approach to this kind of a conversation and more gut, you know, uh, more gut, you know, so that the person can relate to me. I wanted the person to know that this was hard for me, too, that this was not something that I enjoy doing, you know, uh, but I, I, I only did it because I felt it was necessary for that person's benefit, as well as, you know, our agency. So I began to, you know, be more extemporaneous. I didn't follow, you know, the rule books. And, uh, you know, I had conversations with such people that ultimately they, they felt that what I was doing was the right thing for them. So when you get to that point where instead of they're lashing out and yelling at you uh, <laughs> and coming around and saying, well, you know, uh, you know, maybe there is something else out there that, you know, that, that I'm better suited for another another situation that that evolved over the course of my career. That's brilliant. Great learnings for all the listeners out there. So thank you very much, Art. Uh, we could go on and on. Let me take it for a wrap here. Um, assuming you are where you are now, right? It's all it's all come out the way it has come out. When you look back, uh, is there a regret or a do over that you have, Art? No, I would have done it the same way. You know, I have no do-overs to do. Uh, my career followed logically, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, karma played a role. And, you know, and uh, uh, if there's anybody up there, you know, uh, he with a capital he or she with a capital S <laughs> uh, played a role. Uh, but no, I, w I wouldn't change anything. You know, I'm, I'm happy with what I did. You know, I built a fine agency, uh, had a great reputation. Uh, I was respected, you know, for 
who I was and and my contribution to the world of public relations. Um, and um, it just evolved, I think, in a very logical way. You know, I'm very happy with what I'm doing now because what I'm doing now is uh, uh, finding, you know, the right uh, buyers for uh, for agencies that want to sell, you know, for a variety, a variety of reasons, you know, either an exit strategy or to be simply to become part of a larger organization or to find a way, you know, to perpetuate what, what they're doing and so on. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I really wouldn't. I'm happy with the way things turn out. I love it. I love it. Uh, you have had many, 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 many accomplishments. Are is there one in particular you're most proud of? Yes, um, the Public Relations Society of America gave me an award for lifetime achievement. It was called the Patrick Jackson Award, and uh, it was named after the late Patrick Jackson, who who contributed greatly, you know, to the betterment of public relations and somebody who was very, very active in PRSA, the Public Relations Society of America. And so that came as kind of a surprise one year. It was probably I don't know, about seven or eight years ago uh, at the national conference, uh, you know, in a different major city every every year. Uh, when I was told beforehand, you know, that I had uh, won that award that year. And uh, when I was presented the award after you know, being introduced uh, and got to the podium to say a few words of uh, gratitude, uh, a few people stood up and started applauding, and then before I knew it, the entire audience stood up and and started applauding. And I was, you know, tears were coming to my eyes. I, that was a very, very uh, tearful moment, you know, for me. I was so grateful, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the support of all the people in the industry who were there that day. I would say probably two to three thousand people, you know, uh, typically attend one of those conferences, and they all stood up and applauded. I was humbled. I was proud. Uh, but that that was one of the highlights of my of my life. Ah, standing O, I love it. I love it. Um, as you have had to kind of listen to yourself talking for this past hour, do you have a top takeaway from kind of having your life flash before you? Um, the top takeaway is this is uh, uh, believe in yourself, you know. Uh, don't let anybody or any inward force, you know, that, uh, that, that, that's part of your upbringing, uh, make you feel that you're not good enough and that you, you know, uh, that, uh, you, you can accomplish, you know, what other people uh, can, um, you know, I know it's hyperbole in many ways, but, but, uh, it, it happened to me, you know, sometimes you have to push yourself, you have to force yourself to take certain steps to get, get, out of the notion, you know, that you're not good enough and that, that you know, you can't be a player. Um, you look at all the people who have crossed this earth, you know, who started that way and like me, you know, and uh, initially, you know, didn't feel the, the confidence in, in, in who you are. Know that there is something in you that is great, that uh, that you can, uh, you can nurture and grow uh, and that you can nurture and grow, you know, uh, who you are increase your self-esteem, uh, raise your, you know, your ego. It's all in there, you know, just know that you can do it and that you are not, you know, the, the worthless person that perhaps you, 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 you sometimes think you are just believe in yourself and go do it. <laughs> I love it. Are, what was it like for you to share your journey with us today? Very rewarding, you know, uh, you know, you, you have to remember that I come out of, uh, I, I did, uh, you know, uh, psychotherapy, you know, for a period of time, I've 
I've done some of the health, uh, you know, self-help programs like EST, you know, and uh, I forget the name of the other one. Uh, but I've always looked at, for opportunities, you know, to bring things out of myself in conjunction with other people being there. And I think those those experiences have helped me en enormously. So I would say that uh, maybe what I discussed today may be difficult for some people, but given the fact that I've, you know, literally forced myself to become who I am and knowing that who I am is who I am, <laughs> uh, that uh, it makes it, uh, you know, that much easier to talk about myself. You know, at one point in my life, I could never go through all of this that I did with you. Uh, I would just say, you know, surface things and superficial things, you know. Uh, but being candid, you know, you ask great questions and I, I feel that, you know, be, because of the nature of your, of your show, uh, you know, you want some depth and some truth and some real experience. Uh, I was ready to give it all. Art, you inspire. What an amazing spirit. I have such a big smile. Um, you have nurtured yourself, grown who you are is who you are. And I um, am just applauding for you. Not that you need any help, Art, but if I can be a little bit helpful at any point, please let me know. Um, you are part of the solution in our world. You're helping all of us to be safe, to be seen and heard and our true and very, very best selves. Thank you, my friend. You take good care and I hope our paths will cross soon. Thank you for the opportunity, Molly. You ask great questions. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Take good care. Oh, my oh, so great. Uh, okay, thought for the week obviously has to be from art. Believe in yourself. Don't let anyone or anything think you're not good enough. You can do it. Go do it. And that is a wrap, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Amplify art's voice. Reflect on your own top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 